We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Friday to you. Hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving with your family and friends. Now, Pacers basketball is back. They got the Atlanta Hawks tonight, the Philadelphia 76ers tomorrow. And I know you guys are probably just dead tired from all the Black Friday shopping you're doing, but we hope that you're listening to this podcast to get yourselves ready for this game against the Hawks tonight. Trey Young is in the building. Fachi, what is going on, my brother? How was Thanksgiving for you? Thanksgiving was great. I am still stuffed, but uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping the next stuffing comes from Miles, Miles Turner at the rim against Trey Young. So I'm excited <laughs> for this one, Alex. Absolutely. So let's just dive in a little bit here with this Atlanta Hawks team. Later in the second segment, we have Austin Krell, uh, who covers the Philadelphia 76ers, on the Feed to Embiid podcast. Um, he's going to preview that for us, but we wanted to jump into this Hawks team, and honestly, you know, it starts with Trey Young. John Collins is still serving his suspension for his PEDs. Kevin Herter is still, uh, uh, he's been injured. I'm not sure what his update is on this moment right now, so be on the lookout for if Kevin Herter plays or not. But with that being said, Trey Young is the guy, Fodge. Trey Young is definitely the guy. I mean, they, they are going to live and die by Trey Young, and mostly they have been dying. Uh, they have the second worst <laughs> record in the NBA. Right now, Trey Young is definitely a special talent. Uh, I, I gotta admit, you know, I was definitely a big Trey Young hater uh, in the beginning. I, I think he's kind of won me over a bit 
He definitely is a great player. I think he's a future all-star. If not, still pushing for it now. I think the Hawks' bad record is, is going to keep him out of the all-star game. But having no John Collins there, yeah. I think, is huge. And Alex because Lynn John, has been so bad, too. Yeah, I know. And there was actually some Alex Len hype coming into the year after last year. Um, but I, I just feel like without John Collins, this Hawks team, while talented, they're still too young. Uh, Kevin Hoyer, as you mentioned, he's only played 10 games this year. Uh, also, just digging through some numbers right now, the Hawks are giving up over 118 points per game right now. Yeah, that's bad. Uh, they have the, the second-worst second, net rating. Yeah, and they're the second-worst three-point shooting team in the NBA. So they're also really struggling just rebounding overall. They're bottom-five team. So right now I feel like the Pacers' bigs have a big opportunity over there. Uh, while it's great that they're not that great of a three-point shooting team, because, you know, you know, while the last few games the Pacers have been better from three, uh, we're not a great three-point shooting team ourselves. So no, I think we're this matchup— better. We're getting better, finally. We are. We are. We, we're definitely getting better, and for that, hey, that's why an 82-game season is how it goes, one game at a time, but the Pacers are home in this game. I feel great that they'll be able to take care of business. Yeah, and, you know, there's some familiar faces on this Atlanta Hawks team. You've got Vince Carter is in, like, his 20-some season of the of his NBA career. You've got Jabari Parker, who's actually played pretty well this season. And, of course, Pacer fans are all too familiar with Evan Turner. He was traded to the Hawks this offseason for Kent Bazemore. So, you know, this Hawks team, they just don't have any – Stud players outside of Trey Young. They've got a lot of young pieces. DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, Kevin Herter. You know, just guys that are, are, are solid players, but they're still so young and still raw. And, you know, we saw it on Tuesday against Memphis. John Morant's young. Jaron Jackson's young. They can they can fill the stats the stat sheets, but they, they just have, you know, just something missing about them. They're not physical enough with their build still trying to just find their way and honestly you know i'm not too worried about this game the only reason i said that i would emphasize the importance of it is because it's the last game of their homestand before they go on a five-game road trip yeah no that is true you definitely want to be able to to close out that homestand on the right note i think the hawks are uh, a perfect team to be able to close that out against uh i think that this team, as you mentioned, look, they have all the talent in the world, but it, it's just not their time yet. You know, the, the future is bright. They have a, a ton of first-round picks, a ton of lottery picks on this team. As you mentioned, Jabari Parker, it's, it's nice to see him still playing well. I, I think he, I said it before, Jabari Parker is the oldest 24-year-old I've ever seen just because <laughs> the hype around him. He's only 24? Like he's only 24. Those knees are 40, though. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah. you know, it, it's just good to see him out there playing well. But uh, I'm not too worried about this game. I hope the Pacers disagree because I don't want them to look past the Hawks. Every win in the NBA, you know, these are still some of the best players in the world. So you can't look past them, but I feel good about it. Yeah, it would be nice to see the Pacers really just get this victory wrapped up by the end of the third quarter. That way they can rest their starters for that big matchup against Philadelphia on Saturday. Uh, another game where they can show their worth uh, across the league going into Philadelphia. You know, this game against Atlanta, if they lose this one, that would be a, a devastating way to go into Philadelphia. But at the end of the day, I just want them to win the games they should 
and then be competitive in the games where they're not the favorite. Because right now this Pacers team is still trying to figure its, you know, itself out. While we know what these guys can do, we're still trying to get a feel for how this starting five is going to work. And with a, a small lineup like we saw against the Jazz on Wednesday night with Bojan playing the four, there's going to be opportunities for the Hawks to play small, which means there's going to be problems for Sabonis out there trying to guard stretch fours, and I'll be interested to see how he does in that game. And then, of course, there's more of a favorable matchup when they're when they're playing Philadelphia having two bigs. So, you know, honestly, the matchups are going to be key here. I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in a Doug McDermott in early and put Sabonis with the second unit a little bit more. That way that T.J. Warren and McDermott could play the three and the four, allowing more spacing and allowing more opportunities to be quicker and guard the perimeter a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, guard the perimeter is going to be key because obviously, you know, Trey Young will pull up from anywhere in the building. So that that could definitely be an emphasis uh, regarding the, the perimeter. But like I said before, the bigs can really eat in this game. And I think that this could be a game that is over in the third quarter. And that's my hope because those are obviously the most fun games. I feel like some of the younger guys on the Pacers, you know, you kind of view it as like when there's those last few minutes, McMillan puts in Alizé and maybe it is Nas or Brian Bowen gets in for a little bit. Those are always some of the best times just to get them experience. And I'm hoping this is one of those games. Yeah, so honestly, you know, they're they're playing a pretty fast pace. They're playing the ninth fastest pace in the NBA. We mentioned 26 in offensive rating, 28th in defensive rating. And, you know, Lloyd Pierce is a good coach. I like what he did last year at this team. A lot of people were picking Atlanta to be like a sneaky playoff team. And right now, I mean, if you look at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, they're not too far out of contention. But I, I'm just not a huge believer in this. I really think the John Collins suspension put this team back quite a bit and Very you know, much. I'm sure that TJ Leaf is thinking the suspension for John Collins for this game because that means he does not have to hear all the the talk about how the Pacers picked him over John Collins in the draft a couple of years ago so I'm sure that TJ Leaf is excited that John Collins will be missing this game but you know Fachi I really don't have too much else to say about this game this is just the game the Pacers can't afford to lose absolutely not you got to have this one Atlanta does not protect the ball so the the factors of just as I mentioned a couple episodes ago the Pacers have been great at winning the rebounding and the turnover battle I feel like those are two key things they can do in this game and it should result in a Pacers W absolutely well let's take a quick break here and we will be joined by Austin Krell for a lengthier segment to discuss the Philadelphia 76ers check in and see how our old friend Kylo Quinn's doing and see how you know, Philadelphia is doing without their beloved TJ McConnell. We'll be back. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. This is Tyler Smith for Setting the Pace, and uh, we're going to preview Friday night's game against the Atlanta Hawks. It's a tradition unlike any other. The Pacers hosting a game on Black Friday, one of my favorite nights of the year. There's a lot of buzz in the city. Uh, the Circle of Lights takes place that night downtown, and the Christmas season officially begins, depending on who you ask, of course. But the Pacers always play in front of a packed house on Black Friday. And of course, this year, every Friday is Gold Friday. So the Pacers will be wearing their new look gold uniforms. And I like their chances against the Atlanta Hawks. Keys to victory in Friday's game, continue to win the turnover battle. The Hawks are second to last in the NBA in ball security. They turn it over a lot. And the Pacers 
have been in the top five in the NBA for much of the season in protecting the ball. So if that holds true again on Friday, the Pacers will be in pretty good shape. The Hawks, of course, have Trey Young, an exciting young player uh, that can score with anybody. He's averaging nearly 27 points a game and almost nine assists per game. And anytime you have a player like that, you'll have a chance on any given night if he goes off. So the Pacers just need to find a way to contain Trey Young. He can have a good night and the Pacers can still win. Uh, They just can't afford him to go off for 40 or something crazy like that. He's also the main reason that the Hawks have turnover problems. He's averaging nearly five turnovers per game. So the Pacers will uh, plan on giving him some different looks uh, as far as coverages and who's guarding him. And then again, it should be in pretty good shape as long as Young doesn't go completely off in the game. The Pacers also need to watch out for Evan Turner. And of course, I'm, I'm totally kidding there. Uh, Turner averages only five points a game this year, but you never know with his history with the Pacers. He's played well against them before, so... You never know when it comes to Evan Turner. It will be fun to see Vince Carter for quite possibly the last time in Indy. I believe it's the only uh, one and only visit for the Hawks in Indianapolis this year. So unless Vince gets traded or if he decides to come back next season, it's probably the last time that we're going to see him playing at Banker's Life Fieldhouse. I don't know how you feel about him, but Vince Carter for me has always been one of the top five uh, non-pacer players that I've enjoyed watching over the years. One of those guys that I would imitate in the driveway as a kid. Love those dunk contests, the the Air Canada moments. Uh, It's been great to watch him over the years. So that'll be another fun part of Friday night's game. The only other key for the Pacers will be, in my opinion, to not overlook this Hawks team. Uh, They've proven the last couple years they can beat anybody on any given night despite a bad overall record and with the Pacers playing in Philly on Saturday it would be easy to overlook Friday night's game a little bit but thankfully with it being Black Friday and Gold Friday should be a sellout crowd I believe that the Pacer fans will make sure that this team stays up for that game so looking forward to Friday's game against the Hawks back to you guys. What up, everybody? Mike Focci here, and if you haven't already checked it out, go to PacersTalk.net for the latest coverage on all Pacer news. We have game recaps, game previews, and everything you can imagine. Let's go, Pacers. What's going on, everybody? Joining us right now to preview the Philadelphia 76ers game against the Indiana Pacers on Saturday night. He covers the Philadelphia 76ers and has a podcast of his own called The Feed to Embiid. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us is Austin Krell. Austin, what's going on, man? Going on, Alex. Going on, Mike. How are you guys? Doing great. Appreciate you coming on today. Nah, thank you for having me. I'm always uh, thrilled and honored when people you know think that highly of uh, of what I do to, to invite me on their show. So I always I always appreciate that and indulge in it. Well, to be honest with you, I don't really think that highly of you. You're just the only Sixers fan I knew that could come on at a short notice. I know that also counts. So, you know, we'll, 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 just, we'll edit that part out. <laughs> well, in all seriousness, I do, I do know that you cover this team and you know this team very well. So I like to get your insight because me and Fachi are not paying any attention 
to the Philadelphia 76ers besides the standings. And obviously we see they have a good team and we like what they did this summer. So anyway, let's just talk about this. So, you know, uh, tonight the Philadelphia 76ers will be playing the Knicks and then they come home for a game against the Pacers. Now the Pacers play the Hawks tonight as well. So, you know, both teams coming off a back-to-back. What are your expectations for rotation-wise and what they do with Embiid and, you know, trying to keep him back and forth with his health? Well, I think they're probably hoping that tonight he, you know, they can get they can get out in front of the Knicks early and sort of sedate them early on in this game so that they don't have to play him heavy in the fourth quarter. And this will be the second time this year that they've faced an opponent for the second time. Uh, they, you know, they've, they've played the Cavs twice already. They beat them by one in Philly, and then they beat them by 17, led by a bunch of 30 in Cleveland. So they have a, you know, the, the evidence that they've showed is that they recover well, they fix things up, and then they come out and they blow the doors off teams that they've played before. So I'm hoping that they can get out in front early, put the Knicks away, and B can get a lot of rest, and uh, he can be ready to play a very important game against the Pacers tomorrow. Yeah, Embiid is someone who has really killed the Pacers in the past. He has had Miles Turner's number at times, but someone who I'm also curious about, Ben Simmons. Offensively, he's shooting the ball less than years past, and coming off the the big extension, I was kind of expecting that he would take the next step. Uh, I know he's had a little bit more turnovers, found a little bit more. What's going on with Ben Simmons this year that Pacer fans need to know? Well, he did take the next step. He took it backwards. Oh, <laughs> yes, that is a step. A good step <laughs> um, so, you know, I think with Ben, I think a lot of it is, um, it, you know, it's mental. I, you know, if, you're, if you're a confident shooter, you're going to shoot the ball. But mm-hmm. I also think that his natural instinct, it just simply isn't to score. And the NBA, I know that, the, you know, no, no one, there's no house of highlights uh, videos of guys passing the ball. Like making generic passes that are you know that that are that are forty five feet across the court like that that doesn't get quick so what gets quick is dunks crossovers threes and you know insane shots so you know Ben kind of flies under the radar I think his mentality is simply just that he doesn't look to score first he always looks for who has the best shot around him if it's him it's usually going to be a layup or a dunk if someone else find them and let them take the shot. Um, you know, and I, he's going to have to learn to take that jump shot because that's the way the NBA is just trending naturally. And there are so many unicorns now in the NBA that it's now become watered down. And Ben Simmons is no longer this special world generational talent because everyone can do what he's doing now. So he's got to have to take that next step. But that being said, is if you evaluate him overall, he's still a very, very, very good overall player. I mean, everything else he grades out at an A-to-A-plus level. Yeah. I mean, he's an all-star. There's no doubt about it. There's obviously flaws, flaws to his game, but you know he's still somebody that I fear on the court just because of his ability to get to the basket. And one of the things the Pacers struggled with the last couple of years was their lack of height with their point guard situation. I mean, they had Darren Collison at barely six foot trying to go out there and guard J.J. Redick, who would shoot right over him the last couple of years. You know, now... They've kind of changed this lineup up, you know, Ben Simmons, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris. I mean, it's a pretty big lineup, but the Pacers and did a jo- uh, did a pretty good job of getting big themselves with Malcolm Brogdon at six foot six, Jeremy Lamb six foot six, T.J. Warren six foot nine. I mean, all these guys are big enough to compete with the Philadelphia 76ers build up, and 
My question is, Tobias Harris got this huge contract, and I don't really feel like he's been living up to it. So what are your thoughts on Tobias Harris so far this season? So Tobias Harris, it's been a struggle at times, to say the least. Went through a pretty nasty slump for about three games there. Um, and then he really caught fire. Uh, and, he, and he's been you know, just above a, a 16 points per game guy the last couple, a couple games. Um, I think, you know, in a vacuum, if you step back and, you know, if, 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 if you were on the Spurs and, I, and you asked him this question, I would say he's overpaid. And so, therefore, it, you know, I have to follow the suit that he's overpaid and a member of the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, now, having said that, I think he is a step below an all-star level player. I think he's still trying to find his role within the team. There's still shots that he should take. He had taken in the past, uh, especially as a member of the Clippers where he really thrived, and he was sort of passing up on him. So I think, you know, as the season wears on, he'll get more comfortable with what his role and his job is on this team. I think you'll see those numbers rise a bit. Keep in mind, he's still their second or third leading scorer on the season, and if you had to pick, you know, two all-stars for the Sixers, it would be him and Embiid. It wouldn't be Ben Simmons and Embiid. It would be it would be it would be uh, Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid. Yeah, uh, Austin. I mean, it's it's definitely a great point. I, I am a fan of Tobias Harris because if I remember the whole come up, you know, with Milwaukee, and then he was kept, just kept getting traded all around the league as he was getting better and better. But he is the highest paid player in the league to have not made an All Star game. Uh, I do think he's having a good season right now, statistically. Like, he's at 18 points, right around 50% shooting. I know it's been up and down. But I think this is kind of more of who he is compared to being able to take that next step and putting up, you know, 20-plus points, whether it's like 22 or it's 25. Maybe he can do that in uh, in an offense where he's looked at as more of a first or second option. But the Sixers starting lineup, I love their starting lineup right now. I'm a big fan of Josh Richardson. But are you worried about their bench as the season goes on? Where kind of Mike Scott and I believe I have this pronounced right, Furkin Korkmaz, is that how you pronounce his last name? Is more of one of their better players off the bench? Um, yeah, I mean, Korkmaz um, has definitely taken a step forward that yes. no one in Philadelphia really predicted. I mean, he was he only came back. He was, he was getting ready to sign a contract to go to Turkey, and then he – you know, came, he saw the opportunity with Jimmy gone and JJ gone, and he said, "Well, I have a chance to really crack rotation minutes here." And he, uh, he 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 balled out in the FIBA, and then he came back and he was prepared to 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 a, to a higher degree than he has in seasons past. And so he's been a pleasant surprise at times. Um, you know, he 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 made a game winning shot in in Portland to beat the Blazers to cap a twenty one point comeback. But um, you know, the bench, I think for me. It, it's kind of a worry. Definitely not as bad as it, as it was in seasons past, which, although now it's like it's still got a very good bench that just speaks volumes to exactly how atrocious it was in seasons past. Um, I, I think that, you know, you have a lot of band-aids there. Guys that can, you know, you, you know it's like, it's sort of like you're putting a bigger bandage on a gunshot wound yeah. than, you know, than it has been in the past. But, I, I do think that also, when you take into account the fact that you're st- you have four or five starters or 27 or younger, you really can afford to play them 33, 34, or 35 minutes a game. And 
get away with that and have your bench play minimal minutes and you don't have to worry about your, your team being a massive negative. Combine that with the fact that you, Brett Brown typically staggers the starters, at least one of them, with the bench, you're going to have one of your starters on the court at all times. So I think the bench, while the talent is not great, I think that they embody the team's overall philosophies of long, defensive, uh, you know, switchable guys. They know how to play basketball. They can cut backdoor. They can make an open shot when given it. Um, but they're not going to be playmakers, but they do the job on the defensive end. And I think that's what Brett Brown hopes for is to sustain what's already been built for you by the, by the, by the starters. Well, now there is a little bit of a connection between both Indiana and Philadelphia because Philadelphia picked up Kyle O'Quinn in the offseason and the Pacers picked up T.J. McConnell, somebody I know Philadelphia fans hold near and dear to their heart. And honestly, right now, he is becoming a Pacers fan favorite by the way he just plays. And I understand why Philadelphia fans fell in love with him. So uh, as far as McConnell goes, if you have any interesting stories about him, I'm sure Pacers fans would be interested and what are your thoughts on Kyle O'Quinn so far this season? Yeah, I know it's an interesting point. Um, one of you know, I'm a huge Brett Brown guy for the most part. I I've, I've supported him all the way through because I've seen what he's had to go through with this with this rebuild. And I think he deserves to see it see it uh, right out. Although I think his time is, if you things don't change quickly, that time his time is going to come to an end pretty soon. Um, and I think um, you know, one of my only or one of my you know. I guess mounting and growing uh, issues with, with, with Brett Brown and I take a closer look at it is why isn't he playing more Kyle O'Quinn? Kyle O'Quinn is a really very, very, very good uh, passer out of the face-up, out of the high post. He can He's now extended his range outside. I mean, he can credibly give the Sixers 10 to 15 minutes a night. There's no reason that he shouldn't that he should be racking up DNPs. And I, I don't think Al Horford has been that great that, you know, it's like, oh, well, it's either – you know, Joel and Joel or Al or Death. Like, it, like it, you know, I, I don't see that out of that Horford. So that's been one of my biggest criticisms is that, is that Kyle O'Quinn should be definitely more utilized than what he's been so far. Um, at, with TJ McConnell, he's a fan favorite because he, he gives you the, the, you know, he's a relatable guy. He's your, you know, he, 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 he blends in with everybody in the streets. Um, you know, he, he looks like a businessman really at heart. But then he gets onto the court and he's picking you up full court. He's not giving in, and he's going to get down. He's going to get dirty and make plays for you. Um, is he a skilled player? Not quite. He's the kind of player that you know you give hustle minutes to, but you're going to probably find that come playoff time, his role is going to be reduced dramatically because he can't defend against bigger guards and he can't really space the floor. Now, is he a better fit for for, for the Pacers than he is for the Sixers because? The Pacers tend to use more mid-range than the Sixers do. Yeah, you could you could say that. Um, but you know, I think all in all, he's a very very okay backup point guard. You know, his, his best seasons, statistic-wise, would probably come on a team like a Sacramento Kings or a team that is middle of the pack, very much so, and not towards the top of their conference. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm so far, I'm loving what McConnell is bringing to the team. I think that he's instantly becoming one of the fan favorites. And, you know, coming into the year, Alex and I didn't really know how much, how big of a role he'd play with Aaron Holiday being young. But McConnell is definitely carving out a role for this team off the bench. So I do appreciate you guys, you know, giving us that opportunity. But as you mentioned with Kylo Quinn, ah, man, I've always loved Kylo Quinn. I don't know why he doesn't go to just a team that could open up more minutes for him. 
being in Indiana and Philly the last few years in, in backup roles. He really hasn't been able to see the court. I know he played for the Knicks, and he said that was pretty much a disaster, even though that was his hometown. Uh, no surprise there, being the Knicks. But, you know, back to this Pacers-Sixers game. I mean, the Sixers are a team that rank, you know, inside the top 10 in, you know, rebounding, uh, assists, and top 10 in field goal percentages. But if the Pacers are to pull this win off, what needs to essentially go wrong for the Sixers or right for the Pacers? Well, what, what fans don't really know is that the Pacers, I think, are they 9-6 and six or 9-7 now? 10-6. and six. They're 10-6 and six as of Tuesday. Now, we're okay. recording this Tuesday night, so we won't know their record after their games Wednesday uh, against the Jazz. Okay. But. So we'll, we'll, we'll call them 10-6 and six at this point. Um, so... Their record, you know, they're grading out right now as a team that is like fighting for a four or five seed in the East. Um, I the stats that I've seen from them, they're much much better than that. They're a they're a very good home team. They're close to, if not better, uh, road team in terms of defensive and offensive rating. Um, and the record, I think, is is, a, is not a good indicator of who the Pacers are. I think they're a better team than that. Um, now, on the road, the Pacers commit, I think, 23 fouls a game, and they only get fouled 18 times a game. So, for the Sixers to w- for the Pacers to win this game, uh, number one, you're gonna I-, I I would probably put the ball in the hands of Aaron Holiday in the pick and roll because Brett Brown's gonna do a lot of uh, you know he's gonna back off the guard and drop his big man to cover the rim because he's okay with living with the mid range game. Um, Brett Brown wants to deny the three, and he wants to deny the easy look at the rim. And every year when a, when a team that isn't as good as the Sixers beats them, it's because a guard goes ballistic and has an unbelievable game, and they lose a close game. So Aaron Holiday, I think, would have to, you know, I would put the ball in his hands and let him operate and get into that mid-range area and work on, you know, get some floaters in and really put some pressure on the Sixers' defense to, to, to adjust because they don't do a good job of adjusting in-game. Then... I think you know you're going to want to get Miles Turner off the three-point line and into the paint against Embiid and really try to get Embiid to commit contact because the Sixers aren't getting the benefit of a lot of calls this year. I mean, I know it sounds like a fan blaming a ref. I think a lot of the video evidence speaks for itself that the Sixers don't get a lot of calls in their favor. There's a lot of phantom calls for fouls on them. Hey, so Austin, can the I cut Pacers you off real yeah, I, I wanted to ask you because the Pacers do start both Demonte Sabonis and Miles Turner. How do you see the the Sixers defending those two matchups with their big guys? Yeah, I think it's going to be an issue. I think Sabonis is is quicker than Horford is. Um, it probably doesn't help the pace. What, what is Sabonis shooting from three this year? I think is I think he's improved dramatically, right? I mean, I haven't really. He hasn't shot a ton. Um, he shot a couple when they got killed by the Bucks a little bit more than usual. But he really hasn't been shooting a lot outside the paint. His numbers, I think, were actually down from last year, last I checked. Uh, Turner's yeah, about 44%. Go ahead, Foch. Sabonis, 29.4. Uh, last year, barely shooting. He was, like I think, 9 of 15 or 9 of 17 on the year. So he had a good percentage, but this year hasn't translated. He's yeah, not bye. taking a lot. They run the right. offense no. quite a bit. and. You know, they, they play a lot of dribble handoff, pick-and-roll situations with Sabonis and use Turner more as a stretch four is kind of how they've been playing him. So I'm just interested to see right. how you think they'll defend that. So I think Turner's athleticism is something that, you know, it makes sense because 
he like you know he'll, he'll, I, I'm guessing as a big man, and I admittedly don't watch a ton of Pacers basketball because I have so many other things. I have a, you know I have a, I have a day job, I have a night job, so it's kind of hard to watch every team. I um, understand, <laughs> but you know, I, I would imagine that you know he probably looks for a lot of touches outside. And then he, you know, he'll, he'll utilize a pump fit and try to get to the basket and, and rely on his athleticism and size you know, to, to post or somebody. Um, I, in this game, I think Sabonis out on the perimeter would help the Pacers a lot, even if he's not comfortable out there, because if you're using him from like the elbow extended, the foul line extended area, you're not going to draw the Sixers bigs out enough for them to really be struggling to, to, to recover and defend. Um, you know, if they're, if they're passing opposite, if they're trying to double, um, and, and you really want to open up the lane against the Sixers to get your, let your guards move through. So if you, want, if you have a, a stretch four, where if Anthony is the four, you've got to draw Horford out so that the guards can move a little bit. Um, if, if, you, if, if you're Brian Turner at the four, then, you know, I, I think it poses a, a, a difficult matchup for Horford. I think Embiid will have a field day eating on Sabonis. He's much bigger, much more aggressive, and he's, uh, you know, and, and he, he is, I think he probably wants to make a statement at the, at the such a bad game on Monday against the, um, you know, against, against the Raptors. But I, I think the Pacers, they're a very underrated team for the most part. If, you got, if the Pacers still had, uh, had uh, Boyanovich or Boyan Bogdanovich, um, that would have, been a, a bigger concern for me because he's one of those guys that always finds an opening, always, you know, he's, he's always moving off the ball. He constantly gets open jumpers no matter how met, no matter how hot he is, um, and and he he really makes it it, it makes it hell for screeners uh, for, for for guys to get over screens to fight through them and and get to him in time when he curls around. So I, I like the Pacers pieces, um, but I think this game really has a, has a lot of it is. A lot of their success would come today. The young point guard, he, he's, he's performed very well for this team. And I would, you know, I, I think that they have a chance to really eat into the Sixers' weaknesses if they can on ball more. Yeah, no, I think definitely attacking the pick-and-roll situation with Philadelphia's bigs would be beneficial for the Pacers. I'll be interested to see how they do this. But, Austin, we want to just thank you so much for giving us some insight on the Sixers team and uh, hope you guys have a great rest of the season. But we hope the Pacers get this win on Saturday night. Yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a fight. Uh, the Sixers have generally had a pretty good game against the, against the Pacers the last yeah, couple of years. Yeah, we know. They've been dominating but, uh, us. <laughs> but, uh, yes. you know, Unfortunately. Oladipo is a missing link. And if he can get back, that Pacers team is going to be really good. Absolutely. So once again, you guys can follow Austin on Twitter at, I believe it is, is it, is it Krell TPL? Is that what it is? Yes. Krell TPL. So if you guys want to co- uh, find someone that covers the Sixers, Austin does a great job. And it's always fun giving him a hard time about being a Philadelphia fan of all sports. So anyways, Austin, thanks again for coming on. We appreciate you. Hey, how's everybody luck doing for you? <laughs> we'll talk to you later. Alrighty, Pacer fans, that does it for another episode here of Setting the Pace on PacersTalk.net. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at SettingThePace3, on Instagram at PacersTalk. You can follow Fachi at underscore F-A-C-C-I, and you can follow me on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. And until next time, peace out, Pacer Nation.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.